This is the Evolution Exchange Podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today, I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange Podcast. This time, we're going to be talking about the challenges of recruitment in the gaming industry. We've got three guests with us today, and like always, we're going to go through some questions and some discussion all around the topic of recruitment within the gaming industry. Um, we've got with us today Rodard, who's a talent acquisition specialist from Rebellion, Esam, who's a senior global talent manager at Voodoo, and Andy, who's a talent acquisition manager at XR Games. And before we go into the questions that the guests have provided, we're just going to kick off with a round of introductions. So, Rod, please could you give us your introduction? Yeah, hi, um, welcome to uh, to everyone listening today. My name's Rod, I'm a talent acquisition specialist at Rebellion. Started my career um, in agency work at a tech uh, recruitment company. Um, spent a short stint there, then transitioned slowly into a, a sort of larger localization company and, and was sort of honing and crafting my recruitment skills there. Spent a good amount of time before obviously moving over to Rebellion where I've been here for sort of the past just under a year now. Um, my main focus in this company at the moment is obviously code and web candidates. So I'm looking at programmers, developers, um, and everything in between. Um, Rebellion's a, a fantastic, fantastic company. We have a, a, a you know a great reputation for for sort of making brilliant games, and and I'm happy to obviously be a part of that and share some of my recruitment experience today. Yeah, perfect. Thank you very much. Looking forward to it as well, Rod. Uh, we'll come to Andy next. Andy, could you give us your introduction, please? Sure. Uh, hello, everybody. Uh, yeah, my name's Andy. Um, I, I'm talent acquisition manager at XR Games. Um, I've uh, I've been here for just over a year now, um, but I've been in recruitment for coming up to nine years. Um, previously, uh, worked agency side, worked in a number of different areas of recruitment. So I actually did. I actually started off doing construction recruitment, um, and then moved into tech, and then uh, further into games later on. Um, I also, for a short period, uh, was running a non-profit, which was uh, all about helping uh, students and young people to get a career in the games industry. So done a lot of kind of careers-based stuff and lots of speaking and lots of running events and that kind of thing. Uh, XR Games, uh, yeah, I, I joined them, say, just over a year ago. Um, first ever recruiter. I'd never had a recruiter before. Uh, so come in to set up the whole recruitment function. Um, hired a load of people last year. Um, and um, and yeah, we're, we're continuing to grow to grow this year. So uh, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, I've got a good broad range of experience to, to kind of share. Yeah, perfect. Thank you very much. And lastly, yes, I'm over to you. Hi everyone. Uh, so thank you, thank you for attending us today. So basically, um, yeah, I joined Voodoo like three years ago. I started my career like eight years ago in agency. I had experience like in as an RPO. I launched my own RPO company, my own agency. I worked uh, as a freelance, worked as a permanent employee. And right now I'm working at Voodoo since three years and managing basically the tier team in the gaming business unit. Uh, we have a lot of challenges uh, this year, a lot of recruitment. Um, to let you know about Voodoo, so basically we have like more than 40 nationalities and more than 700 employees uh, and nine offices around the world. Uh, so we are definitely hiring and uh, facing a lot of uh, challenges so that's why i'm very happy to talk with you yeah fantastic some three great wrestlers of wealth of experience as well to talk about so hopefully we'll take a lot from these questions and the podcast so let's get into it uh rod you're first with the question so over to you yeah um 
I was really curious to to kind of explore um, the impact that us as recruiters have on the industry, particularly when it pertains to young people, um, when it comes to obviously fostering interest in uh, younger generations to adopt roles in games. Um, obviously, this is a, an industry that we all love and adore and we want to see the, the, the best talent coming through. And, and I think that it's very important that us as, as recruiters and talent have a, some participation, obviously, um, bringing about that interest and awareness to the industry. Um, I think, first and foremost, our, our attendance at, at fairs and events is, is sort of one of the primary drivers, but obviously keen to hear your, your thoughts on where else we can kind of penetrate to to obviously impact uh kind of the interest in young people yeah fantastic first question um to kick us off with and interested to hear from you guys so go on who wants to go first yeah so um, i think um right now like you know recruitment have changed a lot like since you know the last year so we are not just offering you know job uh, to a candidate but we also have you know to attract them and uh, give them basically you know the envy to to join us so, um, and also like, you know, our generation is totally different than the previous one. So I guess like, um, you attract candidates, not just like with salary or just like with, you know, baby foot or whatever. Um, I think you have to propose like something else and something like, you know, that can drive them a lot. I think it's interesting that you mentioned about recruitment changing as well. Um, I'm seeing now that there's a much broader diversity when it comes to the range of channels we can use to communicate with with um, talent in the market, right? So formerly it may have been speaking to uh, job, like going exclusively to job boards, for example, to to find work. But now we're we're seeing sort of jobs and interactions between recruiters and the market in areas like Discord, uh, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and these are these are areas that again are populated by young people as well which means that we're able to, again, kind of speak to that that younger audience and, and kind of make them aware of kind of the roles that we have here at, at you know, the companies that we're essentially hiring talent for. So I think that um, the, the, the games industry is, um, is, a, bit, is a bit unique um, in, uh, in this sense when it comes to younger people and, and people who want to get in the industry who are maybe studying now or at school or, or whatever else. Uh, and, and, and the reason why I think that is because... Of, the way I would describe the games industry is, is as a passion industry. Um, so if you ever do anything with kids and you go out to schools and you ask what do they want to do when they grow up, uh, you know, you'll hear, I want to be an astronaut and I want to be a football player and uh, I, want to, I want to work in video games because they all, how many kids are gamers nowadays? Vast majority. Um, and so over the last um, over the last 10, 15 years, I guess, uh, there's been a huge increase in um, the transparency uh, regards to making games is a is a real job. You know you can do it. Uh, you know it's not done by just a bunch of sweaty blokes in a dungeon. Uh, you know it's you know it's a real career. Um, and people have gone out and told kids that, and then they go, oh, well that's what I want to do. That. Um, what that that sounds great on the face of it. That sounds amazing and fantastic. But I'm sure we all know um, that what that ends up resolving is way more people that want to work in games compared to actually how many uh, roles there are um, for people working in the games industry. If you ever advertise, I know if we advertise any junior roles, we can guarantee hundreds of applications within a very short period of time uh, for most of them. 
Um, so the, the, in terms of kind of the volume of people wanting to work in the games industry, um, you know, uh, younger people wanting to work in games, it's already there. Where I think our role is um, as recruiters is not necessarily to attract people to want to do it. Um, you know, it's more about informing people um, of, um, you know, of how how they can put themselves in the best position to do it. Uh, you know, liking games isn't enough to work in games. You have to, there's a lot of other stuff you have to do regardless of what job role you're going for, right? So there's a lot of other things you have to do to get yourself ready to, to get a job in games. And I think we're in a unique position as recruiters because we see lots and lots of people who want to work in games. We see hundreds of thousands of CVs, portfolios, and everything else. We're in the best position possible to be able to advise lots of different people. And I feel it's our responsibility to be going out and speaking to these people and saying, and say, look, in my experience, this is what has worked and this is what I see um, to, to help and, and bring more more um, highly qualified people through um, at a junior level who are, who are going to be right for, for our, business, our businesses and each other's and everything else in the future. Yeah. And I, and I think what you were saying about like social media also, like you say that you want to attract like basically, you know, younger population, but you have to understand like who we are. As you said, like, you know, the younger population is around, like, you know, social media. We use this kind of, you know, channel when we use usually, you know, job boards or LinkedIn, you know, to attract this kind of candidates. But I think that you have to, you have to understand who they are before, you know, to communicate, like, with them. Um, but also you have to innovate because right now, like, just like by posting, you know, job or just by looking them, you know, at LinkedIn is, isn't enough. So that's why, you know, at Voodoo, uh, we are trying like to uh, organize like uh, recruitment events where we can you know uh, invite people directly like during the day where we're gonna you know present you know their work where we're gonna talk you know to the managers etc. And at the end of the day, we're able basically you know, to make an offer because uh, right now like in the recruitment we can see like longer processes that can take you know two months and um, it doesn't give you know. Uh, uh, the candidates basically, you know, the desire like to join a company that's taking too much time. Um, so that's why we have to be quick and we have, you know, to uh, uh, deliver the right information at the right moment. Also. Yeah, I, I like the idea of the innovation and, and, and the recruitment fairs um, definitely is one of my personal favorite aspects of, of the role for, for me. Obviously, visiting and, and going to events and speaking to people, um, you know, you're, you're right. The general advice for most graduates, most juniors is going to be pretty similar across the board, right? Have a fantastic portfolio, um, follow your favorite studios, make sure that you're up to date on on their their uh, vacancies and, and obviously making sure that you're up to date on your skill set as well. Um, but then after that, I think there is definitely an onus on us as recruiters to, um, again, uh, emphasize, foster that that kind of interest. Um, and potentially look to to make a shift in in sort of the hiring patterns that we see at certain studios, right? Um, there's a definitely a proclivity to bring in sort of senior talent or mid-level talent. But I think as recruiters, we observe that these can be quite hard to pull. Um, and I think a better strategy overall for a number of studios to adopt would be obviously hiring a, a sort of slightly junior or graduate level, and then obviously working their way to progressing their skill set essentially yeah yeah there's a there's a yeah the the i think in every i think every studio in the world um struggles to an extent to hire senior talent it's it's hard mm. right there's there's only so many senior programmers and artists and everyone wants them so 
you know, you not every, you can't just hire people uh, all the time. And so I think um, one thing uh, to give you an example, uh, what we've done at XR Games, uh, you know, we are looking at uh, more long-term sustainable growth. Um, so, um, you know, uh, it's investing in uh, young people, bringing people in that we can then grow the team from the ground up rather than having to keep going out and going out for senior hires over and over and over again. So we launched last year, and the way we're doing that is we launched um, a program last year called XR Futures, um, which was our our own way of being able to engage and give back to to young people and help young people. And the whole idea was is that it's a way for it's a vehicle for us to develop a load of content, um, you know, uh, which is tasked with providing advice and guidance to to young people on how to get a job in the games industry. It's a way for us to go out directly and do talks at universities, at schools, at colleges, at various events and fairs. Um, it's uh, on top of that, you know, to supplement that, we also launched our own internship scheme. So we're now actively hiring interns and there's a whole scheme in place uh, for people to come in um, who are still studying, come in for a year. Um, uh, and so the the key part of that, though, is that it's it's... It's never intended to be super salesy, um, as like normal recruitment activity would be. Um, when we're going, when we're developing content, and when we're going and speaking to to the students and stuff, it's not always about hey, come look at us, look at us, come work for us, look how great we are. It's more about what I call valued content. So it's more about giving back and saying, look, this is this is the advice that we can give you that's going to help you get a job in the game industry, whether that's with us or with someone else. It doesn't really matter. Um, but it's it's giving that back, um, and so there's there's some kind of direct um, th- there's some really direct benefits to that. You know, with hiring up hiring you know juniors and and interns and that kind of thing. But there's also some really great indirect stuff that comes with that as well. Um, first, is it helps it helps you hire senior people um, uh, as well because the the games industry is very fortunate and there's a bunch of people in senior roles who are very passionate about causes and giving back and helping and so when they are looking for a new job a uh, organization that embodies the same values as them is something that's important for them um, as well as you know the, what the work is and stuff but if uh you know if they're really passionate about going and doing stuff then you know the company they're interviewing for is the same way then you know they're, they're more you know there's a chance they're more likely to come work for you uh, but then also the longer term thing is is really all the diversity element and um, you know Diversity is a huge issue in the games industry, as it is with every other tech industry, right? Every other tech industry has the same thing. It's basically full of white men like me. Um, and so the only way that you solve that in the longer term is by investing in uh, younger people because there's only so many people people uh, in senior roles who are people of colour or who are not male. Um, uh, there's only so many of them. and You can't hire them. You know, everyone wants to hire them. So... Uh, what do you do? You kind of have to uh, invest in in younger people and give them more opportunity and 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 show them that yes, this is something you can do. This isn't this isn't um, this isn't not available to you uh, as a as a person of color or as a female or as a, or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Um, you know that's that's really the the big added benefit in longer term is that you can then really start to make change over the long term by investing in. And advertising these kind of stuff to younger people. Yeah, like sorry, I just recommend quickly because I really like the the question that you asked was like in terms of 
responsibility and influence that recruiters have on the industry. And so I might like, but just Andy said that obviously the recruitment industry is still maturing as an industry over the last couple of years. It is considered quite a young industry. And so the boom that it's been, it's never really something I've thought about the, the influence that recruiters have had to come in and make these decisions and streamline recruitment to aspects like that around diversity. So I just want to say it's really, really good point for me. That Yeah, certainly so. And it touches on a, a, a number of other very interesting aspects as well. Obviously, the first being the importance of the integration between learning and developments and recruitment, right? So obviously being able to inform um, our L&D teams, uh, which again is quite a, a new and developing industry of the kind of trends that we're observing in the market, right? So when we're going out to reach out to talent, what are we observing? Is there a, you know, are there specific um, proclivities for certain demographics to apply for certain roles? Uh, is there a lack of um, diversity and representation in, in, you know, the applications that we're receiving for other roles? As recruiters, we're ultimately the arbiters between uh, the market and the company. So we have that information and with that comes essentially, uh, uh, you know, as I mentioned, that responsibility to kind of influence a lot of the decisions being made on both sides. So if this is uh, informing hiring uh, teams that, you know, exposition may take uh, a certain amount of time and we would be wiser to employ a, a strategy that looks at sort of looking at a more junior uh, talent or if it's uh, looking at the market and, and, and going and saying, you know, these are the places that people need to be reaching out to talent teams to be able to best uh, present themselves in front of us to to obviously provide them opportunities. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it, it that 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 again, that that responsibility that talent does have is, is massive um, and only increasing. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a fantastic point of discussion with fantastic questions to ask, so I really appreciate that. Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, the Nordics Managing Director here at Evolution. I really hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading-edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. We'll move on to the second question, but that's going to come from Andy. So Andy, over to you. Sure. So my question was... Um, how do you encourage and facilitate uh, internal mobility within your organization? So, you know, this could be, uh, you know, people wanting to change roles within the same um, department. It could be people who want to change their career altogether and change from one discipline to another. Um, you know, um, you know, I guess, yeah, I'm keen, I'm keen to understand what, what exists in your in in your um, organisations? How do you manage that? How do you how do you ultimately not lose good people because of they because they want to change? Um, yeah, yeah, I, I I can come in on this one, um, and I think it comes down to a, a few things ultimately. Um, number one is recognizing the competency of 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 people that work with us, right? So we um, ultimately have to recognize what skill sets that people 
um, you know, people have, uh, and if those skill sets are going to be relevant for the the other areas of businesses that they're looking to operate in. Um, after that, we are always looking at motivations. Um, are there specific drivers for wanting to pursue different opportunities within, obviously, rebellion? Right. Um, we would hope that these these uh, you know motivations for whatever reason are, are wholesome. Uh, you know, not due to sort of bad management or or uh, sort of anything in in that kind of light. Um, and then after that, we. We have to really, and this is probably one of the most important uh, areas, is understand how that will impact the other area of business, right? Particularly when it comes to mobility within sort of more senior or leadership uh, areas. So if we're taking um, talent from one area of the business, how quickly can we then fill uh, or replace that that area of the business, you know, with fresh talent from the market, for example? Um, all those in tandem really help to kind of shape whether that specific talent can move between departments. Um, so it is kind of a, a, a sort of a pseudo calculation, should we say. Um, in most cases at Rebellion, we have quite a bit of internal mobility. So we're, we're sort of very open to the idea. Um, you know, roles are, roles are open, not exclusively to, to, to market, but to, to internal candidates as well. Um, and we have a, a good system in place where, you know, management are able to communicate and, and effectively kind of make that decision among themselves. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a fantastic question because I know it's a, an area that, that a lot of companies definitely struggle with for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a very, uh, it's, it's, it's a very good question because this is a project um, where we are working on uh, right now in Advoodoo um, because right now in Advoodoo we have like different studios and sometimes, you know, a studio, you know, is churned. Basically, they have, you know, full of talent that we have you know, to manage and to make sure that, you know, they have the right opportunity, you know, in, within the company. Um, so we worked basically of kind of structuring, uh, you know, the internal mobility. So depending if it's like um, the same role or if it's like, you know, different role, we have to take in account, like, you know, many options depending, you know, the profile, but also giving them basically the opportunity, you know, to have the the big picture of what are like different uh, uh, position within the company. Um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a huge topic because uh, sometimes, you know, most of the employees when they want, you know, to leave the company, they don't look, you know, at the uh, open opportunities in the company because they feel good. The culture is nice. They like, you know, their colleagues, etc. But they feel that, you know, they don't have, you know, the opportunity to grow, which is a shame because you lose uh, at that time, you know, the right talent. Um, so I think like um, the most important is to communicate well, you know, to your employer about the right opportunities, but also giving them like you know structure process where they can you know um, find like the right opportunity. On on the whole, I would say um, a high or sort of medium to high level of internal mobility is probably on balance a, a very positive um, business health indicator, right? Um, people staying within the company wanting to explore and upskill in different areas um, can only be a, a good thing, right? If you if you have a, a talent that can serve sort of two, three, four different roles and, and they have experience in those roles um, and they wish to to stay with your company um, because, again, like SM said, they enjoy the culture, they enjoy the people, they enjoy the environment, it can only ever really be a, seen as a bonus. So this is definitely something for us to encourage. Um, Ultimately, it does leave 
shortfalls. It, it you know we we it does result in in sort of backfills. Um, but I think on balance, it's 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 a much preferable way of of sort of filling solutions and, and gaps in in recruitment. Yeah, I think um, the re- so the reason why I asked this question is because we this is a a new thing um, for us. So we are a, a growing business. You know, we we grew from. Um, in 2022, we grew from 35 to 100. So, you know, we, we completely changed. And when you're a really small business, you know, of 20, 30 people, the kind of thing doesn't really... It, it, it's The options are probably not there, right? Because the teams are just not big enough. You can't, you know, it doesn't really exist. But obviously, as you become a larger business, then um, opportunities do arise. And I mean, the, the for, for me, the the... The emphasis on having keeping good people, you know, regardless of what their skill set is, but keeping good people who fit with our values, fit with the team, um, you know, all of that kind of stuff that we've invested in uh, already. We want to hold on to them. So if somebody does, uh, if somebody does want to move from, you know, to be from a programmer to go and be now be a designer for for argument's sake, we'd rather them be able to do that here rather than having to go somewhere else and um, to find that. Uh, and so for us, this is a really new thing. Uh, we're still working it out, uh, you know, over the last couple of months in terms of figuring out, okay, so how do we, how do we facilitate that? And what can we do? Um, and so, I, I guess my, my other my other question is, is kind of in that in that whole process, um, what role does do you guys play? So in terms of that decision making process and the the process of someone going, I want to move and do this instead. Um, what input does do, does does recruitment have um, within that um, process? Yeah, um, I think a big part comes in actually being in close proximity with uh, the people that you work with day to day. The the you know being very in close proximity with with programmers, designers, artists, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, right? Because I know if I speak to X Y Z person at our company. And they expressed to me that they have an interest in exploring opportunities in another department. That's always a, a green flag for me to kind of open conversations as to, you know, how can we kind of make this happen? I think that's probably probably area area number one where we definitely have a, a, a high level of input in a sense. Um, secondly is, is, again, just really being uh, arbiters of good communication um, between management, right? So... Oftentimes, it can be the case that people do want to to move internally, but they may be fearful of of the impressions it may have communicating that with their managers and and, and other management as well. So, obviously, being able to to kind of uh, foster those negotiations is probably the other biggest area of influence that we have in that specific uh, that specific area. Yeah, um, and. Also, like um, I can share maybe a bit of experience because we have like you know a lot of successful stories of internal mobility, which can be sometimes you know kind of uh, surprising you know for as you say like you know for a programmer becoming you know a business developer or whatever. But I think the most important when you talk about like internal mobility, you don't look at the title, you look at the skills and you look at the potential of the employee. If, for instance, like you know this employee has this kind of skills that can match the other position. And also like if he's lacking, you know, some skills and you think that this is coachable because he has the potential basically to learn, you should invest on him rather than, you know, recruiting another one because in terms of cost, like 
could be like very difficult, you know, for a company to recruit a new one, to onboard, etc. So, so that's a very huge topic, and I think it's really good for to retain you know, good talent, talent with a new company. Yeah. Again, it speaks to that close relationship um, between L and D and recruitment, right? So, seeing what areas of business that people are interested in upskilling in, and then kind of tying that to shortfalls and, and gaps in, in in your own business, right? So, if we know that people are pursuing um, training or or further um, upskilling in certain departments, then we can kind of engage them and, and sort of, you know, present those opportunities if we have them available. Yeah, I think, yeah, certainly us acting as kind of like the middleman um, and the mediator between a lot of that is, it is key. Uh, I, I've tried to, so even when we've been constructing this just recently, you know, what we've been trying to do is focus on um, how how can I adapt the recruitment processes to um, to make that internal mobility easier and more accessible to our current employees? So it's simple stuff like, you know, we, we, we've set up like an internal job board, you know, on Slack, which is where we, if we know, we're gonna, if we know we've got a new role that's going to go live, we'll post it on there and it'll be live on there for a few days before it actually goes live out, um, out externally uh, to give people a, a chance. You know, we'd rather find someone internal. Uh, or explore that but then there's a whole process of or if some you know if somebody uh, is interested in that then they still have to go through a recruitment process they still have to be interviewed against external candidates um in the same way go for exactly the same tests and interviews and stuff as they would i think the biggest the biggest questions question marks that we still got with that um is um about what happens when it doesn't work um so say Somebody, you know, job job goes live. Somebody says, "Yes, I, I want to move. I want to move from what, my department to go and do that." Um, and they interview, and we decide we don't we don't hire them. We hire someone else. Um, what do you do then? Because presumably that desire is going to still be there for them. And now, now they're probably at an increased chance of looking for it elsewhere because they realise they're never going to get it here. So, how do we then? How do we then manage that and and still be able to try and hold on to that person and develop them? Um, uh, you know, in, in that kind of way, but also alternatively, uh, do we also want to fill in um, kind of um, backups? I guess so. Like, if someone is successful and does move, but then they're in it three months and they realise actually, no, I've made the wrong decision. This isn't right. Can we take them back? And do we want to? Can we take them back into the role they were in originally? Can they just revert back? And, and it's it's those complicated kind of things because that has a direct impact on recruitment. Because you know, if there's a if one person moves from one team to another, leaves a hole there, and they're like, you know, immediately as 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 recruiters, we're like, right, okay, that's a, that's a role we need to fill. We need to go and find someone to pluck that that hole that's been left now. Um, um, but and, and you know that could that can mess up all sorts of timelines um, with that kind of thing. So yeah, there's a lot of risk, I guess. I'm, I'm keen to see how if there's any way in which you guys mitigate. Those that's a very interesting follow up for sure, and those are, are very real problems that we do face when it comes to obviously internal mobility. Um, I think, in my in my opinion, having a very solid, comprehensive recruitment process is probably the best solution that we have to mitigating those circumstances. Right. So, if an internal candidate goes through a, a comprehensive process that assesses their competency. Uh, assesses their motivation, assesses their um, uh, sort of suitability for the role, 
And obviously in tandem with the feedback that we have from their previous hiring manager, I think that should in 90 plus percent of cases um, be satisfactory enough to really ensure that we have made a good uh, internal hire. Um, after that, for candidates who aren't successful, a lot of our responsibility is going to be, um, you know, centered around conveying why and, and, and being comprehensive in, in the reasoning that, that we present to them, right? Um, we, in most cases in, in, in this role, have to manage expectations, not only for internal candidates, but external as well. So being very clear in the communications as to why they may not have been successful in areas that they can improve uh, is probably the biggest um, yeah, the biggest thing that we can do to make sure that, you know, candidates don't feel bummed out after not being successful in, in an internal process that they've applied for. Yeah. And also, like, um, I think it's a mix of, uh, you know, uh, recruitment responsibility, but also management. Because um, if, like, the candidate is unsuccessful, you have to give them, like, basically the opportunity to grow. Uh, you can, you know, for instance, like, uh, offer them, like, you know, plan where you can, you know, help them, you know, to have these skills, reach this goal, this kind of stuff in order, you know, to go to the, to the other level. So it's a combination of management and, um, recruitment, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Really good question. And there loads, loads to take out of that and, and the follow-up questions in it as well. So thank you very much. We'll, uh, we'll go on to the third question then. Um, Esan, over to you. Yeah, sure. So, um, my question was more like, because, you know, Voodoo is well known for as a, you know, hyper casual mobile company. Uh, and since basically, you know, two years, we changed, you know, our strategy, becoming more hybrid, casual, casual gaming you know, company. Um, so in that sense, like I wanted to know exactly, you know, um, how do we attract basically, you know, candidates that choose to know us, you know, as hyper casual company to a casual company? How do we make them, how do we attract them to, to join us and work, you know, on casual gaming? That's a, that's a, that's a good one and quite a tough <laughs> A tough, a tough one to to really pinpoint and nail down. Um, I think a lot of that comes with coordinating with uh, your marketing and PR teams, right, and making sure that the message is is really um, distributed out to the masses in a, a very clear um, and and effective manner. Um, I think ultimately the reputation of a company is is going to do most of the heavy lifting in in that part. So if you're going out to market and you're seeking candidates, you're you know, you obviously your search parameters change. Um, the, the 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 key metrics of of what you're looking for for change as well. So, um, you know, when you're engaging talent, you're you're slowly by word of mouth and creating a, a shift in the perception of your company um, and, and what you're interested in. So, um, yeah, that's it's a it's a good question and quite a tough one. From when a, when a company decides to make a, a change that 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 big. Um, it has a, a influences, uh, you know, all across the business, not only in recruitment. Yeah, I think. Um, I mean, I mean, the good thing is, is that hopefully that doesn't happen very often. Um, you know, in, in terms of like a big change of strategy uh, like that. But yeah, the, certainly, certainly syncing up with um, syncing up with the kind of the external kind of marketing and just the optics of the business. You know, you, you'd hope that that's going to be something that you that you shout about and you tell everybody about, right? And because I guess yeah, from a 
from a recruitment point of view, there could be, um, you know, there, there could there could have been people who previously weren't interested in working for you, but are now interested because because of that change. Uh, and if you don't tell them that, then then they're just going to make assumptions based on what they think they know already. And so there's there's a huge um, kind of effort there and a sync up between you, you kind of more you recruitment marketing and 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 your employer branding and and you know this is actually who we are and what we're doing now. Um, in terms of like. You know, in, in terms of like your your actual recruitment strategies and stuff, um, you know, and, and in terms of social selection, that kind of base, I, uh, I mean, I, roles change, right? Skill set to skill set, right? You need different different skills, but I think the core of it, probably, I assume, probably won't change very much. Uh, you know, you you still you're still hiring against the same values as you were before. You know, you're still looking for the same kind of person that's going to fit the team. Um, you know, it's that those kind of core values, you know, employee values, that kind of thing is is really important. Um, and so, you know, it's just a diff. It's just it might just be a slightly different specific skill set that you're looking for now in, in a different role. But um, yeah, it's much more about yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I, I mean, it's much more about the um, the talent attraction piece in terms of getting the message out there and uh, telling people what you're about. And and you can only do that by you know putting content out, going to events, doing stuff like this, um, you know, just, just getting the word out there and utilizing as many voices within the organization to do that as possible. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, like we had a case, I, I remember I had a cases when uh, I was like, you know, talking to candidates and they were like, oh no, you're not like, you know, casual company, uh, you're doing like casual, I'm not into this kind of genre, etc. Um, and definitely like we worked a lot, like thanks to Alison with our employer branding and she worked a lot on creating, you know, content, making sure that, you know, the people, you know, are aware about our new strategy. And I think like we're in the good path, but I think it's not enough. Like, you know, communicating is not enough. People right now, they need to see results. They need to see like um, uh, facts. Uh, so so that's why like we have right now, you know, games such as uh, mob control, for instance, or uh, collect them all or infantry attack or color solitaire, where, you know, people, you know, can see basically you know the results and i can rely on something that is concrete basically yeah these these i think ultimately these transitions take a lot of time um i mean it's it's probably going to be the same when you're looking at sort of indie studios looking to to transition to more triple a development um thankfully the, the mobile industry as i understand it is quite abundant anyway um so you know once once uh the, the ball starts rolling essentially it's quite a snowball effect right it's it's very quickly it, in in the mobile industry as i understand things pick up traction very quickly essentially um so yeah um yeah changing the optics is probably probably the the, the best thing and and again like andy mentions this the podcasts, the social media, the communicating with people at fairs and events, the um, you know messages that we send, the people that we engage in in sort of uh, headhunting and, and direct searches, those are all going to have sort of a multiplying effect in shifting the perception of the company from sort of that hyper casual to casual. Yeah, I think the um, the I think where I think where a lot of companies go wrong when they talk about um, employer branding. You know, and, and they use use that that phrase broadly. Is a lot of companies, um, it's it's treated as uh, everything's a sell, right? So it's, we're we're selling. We're, I'm I'm here to sell the business. I'm here to sell uh, sell the company. Uh, it's all sell, sell, sell. We've got a job. Do you want one? We've got a job. Do you want one? Come work for us. Uh, and it's like 
that's not employer branding, right? That's 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 advertising, right? That's that's very on the nose advertising. Um, whereas a big change in strategy and a change in perception of the business is key to employer branding. Because for me, employer branding is all about education. It's about educating people about um, or what the business is, what it's like to work there, what people like, what is what uh, how it's done. And you don't do that through selling. You do that through um, more kind of valued content by championing people within the organization and getting out a message that says who, says who you're about. And you do that in a much more subtle way for employer branding uh, rather than just, here's a job, do you want one? Uh, and I think that you know, that that kind of strategy is, is super key for, for something like that. I mean, I, I get the whole, you know, people make assumptions. We, we make VR games, right? And so the number of people I speak to who say, oh, no, I don't want VR. I did VR five years ago and I just get really sick. I could never work in it. And you kind of, kind of well, yeah, VR's moved on quite a bit in five years. You know, it won't be the same. And, you know, you're not expected to sit there and sit on the every day. So, you know, it's not actually part of your job. Um, but, you know, that changing those changing those optics in terms of getting getting the message out there about actually what it's like is, is super important. Yeah, the, um, the I mean, I, I try to look at it through the candidate lens, right? So more than likely, um, I will be approached by by a, some sort of talent specialist, right? Um, more than likely, they'll tell me that, you know, they're working on X, Y, Z type of games. They're working on console games. They're working on PC games. They're working on uh, this genre, that genre, that genre. Um, and in very few cases, will as a candidate being reached out to, will I make the assumption that you know, because of this line of games, this is very likely what I'll be working on. I think I may be quite exclusive in in my view of of how the candidate kind of experiences the recruitment process. But I think if I'm approached by by an EA, by a by a naughty dog, by a XYZ, I think it's very it, it'd almost be very naive of me to assume that I would probably be working on X, Y, and Z unless informed exclusively by the the talent specialist right so it's this just that once you're speaking to people it really does move very quickly people very quickly understand that this is kind of like the buzz around what you're working on um and there are there you know what's fantastic about our industry is there are a lot of uh, other sort of channels and mediums that you know do a lot of our promo work for us as well they 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 build hype around the games that we're we're working on and releasing um, and they do a fantastic job of informing the market about some of the opportunities that we have. So if you're not exclusively reaching out to those companies, then doing that is also a, a fantastic way to to kind of change the shift of of what's going on. So you know your IGNs, your Games Radars, these are these are fantastic companies for really informing the market about what we're doing. I think um, I think as well, there's a big um, there, there's a big kind of shift in being able to the the, the only message shouldn't be just from us. Um, so getting the other people within the team who are not recruiters, who are not marketers, um, treat, you know, treat, using them as a voice for this is this is what we do. That maybe holds more weight in a candidate's eyes. Do you know what I mean? If, if I'm an artist and I've got another artist from company talking about how great it is, well, I'm going to trust them more than the recruiter because the recruiter wants to place someone, right? They've got a motive. Um, whereas the artist, you know, maybe, I mean, they might have served a motive, but, um, you know, they're, they're probably in the candidate side, a bit more trustworthy. So giving opportunities to be able to champion the uh, the people within the team, let them get out and have a voice and, you know, 
take part in events, do stuff, get you know, write write pieces for the content, do interviews, all that kind of stuff. Um, the more and more you do it, it just compounds and compounds, and eventually, when when someone then does, because the key thing is right, is then eventually once that calendar then does get a message from me, and I go, hey, really like your profile, interested in uh, interested in working for us. They've already got an idea in their mind of right. Well, I've I've heard of that company because of, I've seen this and I've seen that. And that. Oh yeah, that, I'll, I'll have a chat, and then you can then go into great great detail, right? Um, and so yeah, the um, yeah, I think it, 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 there's there's a really big broad kind of compounding effect that gets of the, how many touch points you have with someone to be able to change the perception of what you guys do. I I have to I have to add on to that, Andy. That um. Recruitment as a function works infinitely more efficiently when you have everyone in the business in- involved in the process. <laughs> so obviously you mentioned about the company growing from from 35 to 100 plus, right? And I think definitely that would not have been possible without the assistance of a lot of members in the team. Oh, 100%. <laughs> right? It's 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 just common logic. If you want to to reach out to to programmers, the best people who know where programmers are populated are programmers in your team. So if they're conveying the same messages that you are, right, the process works so much more efficiently. So um, they they again they help to organize the shift in perception of of what we are as a business. They help to obviously. Um, reach out to a wider demographic of people obviously getting people involved and informed about what it is that recruitment do how we do it is massive for any company yeah that definitely it's uh you are totally right uh recruitment is just like it's not just like you not know, the team it's a teamwork um, between you know everyone and you have also ambassadors like within your company that are voice that can basically you know share um share the success like within the company and why they join like this company especially Fantastic. Well, that's all three of the questions. That's a brilliant question again as well, um, and loads of good points in that. So thank you very much for that. And I suppose that concludes, obviously, the podcast today there because that's all the three questions that we've got. Um, I'll take the opportunity then to thank Rod, Sam, and Andy for joining us, the contributions, and obviously the questions as well. It's been really good for me to sit in here and listen to. Um, so I hope everyone else listening to it has enjoyed it as well. And if anybody else wants to join um, either any of the other episodes that we have later down the line, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn and we can have a look at other episodes. But until then, we'll see you next time. Thank you very much, guys.